to the DC Tweet Team Podcast, hosted by Andy Burroughs. You know what I mean? Maurice Hawkins. Some people call me Maurice. And Shelly Jordan. Here's the deal, I'm the best there is. And here's your host, Andy Burroughs. Welcome, everybody, to the DC Tweet Team Podcast. I, as always, am your host, Andy Burrows, and I'm joined by my two amazing co-hosts, the founder of the DC Tweet Team, Mr. Maurice Hawkins, and the lovable Shelley Jordan. Maurice, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, sir. Good day to you. Good day to you. The English impression gets better every week. Shelley, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Good morning to you. Good, good, more, good afternoon for me, Shelley. You seem oh, to yeah. forget I'm good in the future. And our guest today, <laughs> a great friend of the show, the voice of Washington is back with us, Mr. Al Goldie. Al, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure when you take up some time to come and join us. I love uh, listening to your podcast every day. I listened this morning. Um, Al, one of the things that you started off your show with uh, this morning, or um, whenever everyone listens to it this morning for me, um, the announcement from the Washington football team yesterday. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's get it done. We'll talk about this real quick. No headgear, no Native American um, headwear or face painting. Not that I've seen loads of people with face painting when I've been to FedEx. Is no longer um, allowed at um, FedEx Field for the 2021 season. Um, I had a few people message me about it on Twitter because we are like us you got it I got the email from the team we all just tweeted it out they were like well they better not start banning Redskins gear now or that's it I'm not going to attend and I was like first of all there would be World War Three if they banned Redskins gear and you'd probably have a half empty stadium so Al I know you covered it on your show this morning but for those who haven't listened yet what do you make of the whole announcement and surely Al they're not going to ban Redskins gear at FedEx Field are they? Well, I hope not. Uh, I tend to think not for exactly what you said. Uh, people would be infuriated by that. I, I think that would be an overreach that's really not necessary in this situation. I get the banning of the headwear and of the face paint. And as you alluded to, I, I don't think that really applies to that many people. I, I don't think you had, you know, hundreds of people on a per game basis at FedEx donning that sort of thing. So I think that's kind of a low level ask of the fan base. When it comes to the Redskins gear, I, I would just leave it alone. Like, if I'm the team, I wouldn't have a policy toward it. As time goes on, people will get away from it. But it's too unrealistic to say, okay, all of you people who spent all of this money on all of these jerseys and shirts and hats over the years, now you're not allowed to wear any of that stuff anymore to FedEx Field. And we're going to enforce that. Like, enforcing it would be near impossible. And you just would anger the fan base unnecessarily. So, I think if people want to continue to wear that stuff, that's perfectly fine. You know, I have stuff that I wear and it's not that big of a deal. And here's the thing. When they announce the new name and put out the new logo early next year, if they do a good job with it, you know, if it's something that people generally like or at least are generally open to, what will happen over time is the new merchandise will replace the old merchandise. And as time goes on, you'll see people wearing the new logo and the new jerseys and the new shirts, and you'll see less of the old Redskin stuff. And that's the way something like this works. But the change was never going to be instantaneous. And so you're going to have this sort of overlap period for, I don't know, five, 10 years, maybe where you're going to continue to see Redskins gear. And I think that's okay. I don't think that that's big of a deal, that that is that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, Maurice, um, alluding to what I said down, me and Carl touched on it in our, our last training camp uh, podcast, you know, we've both got young kids and the future generations are only going to know, whatever the new name will be say come next january or february whenever we get the new name so they're going to be in the new merchandise and like al alluded to there five to ten years time it's going to be 
us passing it on to our kids and their kids passing it on to their kids. And it's going to take a generation really to completely, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm sitting here with a Redskins uh, jacket on right now. I don't want to completely get rid of it, Maurice, but it is going to take that time, isn't it? But like Al just alluded to, once the new merchandise is out, once the new names announced, we'll slowly but surely see FedEx full of, for argument's sake, Red Wolves gear or whatever the hell we're going to be called. That's probably the best way of looking at it, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly the best way of looking at it. I mean, I mean, last week when I was at uh, training camp, you know, it was overwhelmingly people wearing Washington Redskins gear opposed to Washington football team gear. And I think a lot of it that has to do is that, you know, like I've always said, is that I understand why the, the team made the moves they made as far as changing the name. But the same token, this was not something that was really pushed by the primary consumer which was the fans, that the, the fan base was comfortable being called the Washington Redskins. So, of course, there's going to be some reluctance from transitioning from what the Washington Redskins to Washington football team to whatever the new name of the team is going to be because we're, we're really still in a transitional phase, right? So we're not the new team name. We're not the Redskins anymore. We're the Washington football team. So people are starting to process out from the Washington Redskins side to what we're going to be in the future. Um, and I think that the, the um, Washington football team has done a good job as far as celebrating and recognizing fans who are embracing this moniker right now, transitioning into the new moniker. But I don't, like I agree with Al, there's no need to make, a, um, you know, there's no need to die on that hill right now. I think if anything, uh, Washington Redskins is going to be throwback NFL gear, just like the Houston Oilers or, you know, uh, whatever, um, any of the past NFL team names. Um, that people would still wear that apparel. So I don't think it's a big deal per se. It's just that it's, it's going to be that transition from Washington Redskins to whatever the new name is going to be and fans figuring out how soon they want to get on board with that change. Mm. Yeah, Shelly, are you the same as Al, Maurice and myself? It's it's going to take a while, you know, like I said, it might take five to 10 years to fully transition. Obviously, you, you know, we all know how much you love the Redskins name. Um, we all, I just wear the apparel proudly now. I just see it as a football team not getting involved in the whole political side. Is it? They're just a, a football team to me who I support and love and I'm passionate about. Where do you sit with the announcement yesterday, Shelley? I personally don't think the Washington Redskins gear is going to go anywhere anytime soon. And that's just me. I think it's going to take a Super Bowl win. Personally, I think it's going to take more than just a new name. I mean, I think the newer generation will get on board with the new merchandise before the older generations will. And that's just my personal opinion. It's going to take a lot of wins and it's going to take championships, you know, consistent on a consistent basis. And we're going to need a Super Bowl win. You know, it's just that's just my opinion, because we've had, you know, 20 plus win or 20 plus years of, you know, under Snyder of just bad. You know, it's just been bad. I've never so, seen us win a Super Bowl, Shelly. I've only watched it on YouTube. It's about time. It's about yeah, time. Well, that's just my opinion. So I really, you know, the glory days were under, you know, the Washington Redskins. You know, that's where our, our three Super Bowl wins came from. So I just really think that the, the older generation, like myself, hate to age myself, but, you know, I remember those three Super Bowl wins. And I just really don't think that um, the, the Riggins jerseys, the Art Monk jerseys, the you know, well, of course the Sean Taylor jerseys aren't going to go anywhere. 
But, you know, a lot of those jerseys, they're not going to go anywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm going to wear my Art Monk jersey. Um, and I'm going to wear my, you know, I have a favorite uh, camo redskin hat that I love. So I just really don't think that it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. So that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, fair enough. That's uh, We covered it. We've done it. There we go. I wanted to get it out of the way at the start of the podcast. Um, Al, uh, let's talk some football with you, my friend. You mentioned on your uh, podcast this morning about Jermaine D- uh, Davis, uh, the linebacker, getting better at linebacker and becoming a, a leader in the in the in the in the Washington uh, locker room already having not been there long and you know Ron Rivera made the point in his press conference that you played on your show this morning about him yeah he is he is being that voice now in the Washington football team and yeah he's a rookie but all I, when I was listening to it this morning I was I was saying talking to myself while in the kitchen saying well Chase Young done it you know, he come into the Washington organization last season was within two to three games. You could clearly see that he was a leader, that he was some people are just naturally born to lead out. Is Davis looking that way in, in, the, in the like you said this morning, the quarterback of the linebacking core? Yeah, I think very much so. And I think that's a credit to him for sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that really stood out about Jamin Davis wasn't just like his physical gifts, which are off the charts, wasn't just his production at Kentucky in his junior season, which was tremendous, but the guy's really mature. You know, he comes from a military family. Like you talk about fitting the Ron Rivera culture to a T, he definitely does that. So I think he's very well equipped for this role. It's a unique circumstance, not just because he's a rookie, but because, you know, he was only a starter at Kentucky for one season. So you think about the Jamin Davis story. He's gone from being a backup at Kentucky in less than two years now to being the starting Mike linebacker for an NFL team. Like that's quite a journey. Nobody would have anticipated this, predicted this for Jamin Davis two years ago. I think one of the easiest layup predictions for this coming season is that assuming health, Jamin Davis is going to play a ton and mm-hmm. I think he's going to be good. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet. You know, this guy was a reliable tackler at Kentucky. You have zero like attitude questions or, uh, you know, aptitude questions with him. Like, he's going to get it. It's just a question of, is he great or is he just kind of pretty good? We'll see. But if they're already entrusting him with that Mike linebacker role, I think that tells you a lot about how he's doing so far. And, you know, he was also durable at Kentucky, so it's not like there's an injury history with him or anything like that. Uh, I'm excited. You know, Washington's draft class, obviously we'll see what it ends up being, but you got an opportunity from the get-go for certainly, at the very least, the top two picks, Davis and Samuel Cosme, uh, to be starters and to play quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Cosby there. He's getting a lot of uh, press coverage on Washington Twitter. Twitter, Take that for what you hell you will. Um, he's going up against Montez Sweat and Chase Young. I mean, that can only benefit him. Do you see, like Ron Rivera's again, asked come week one, can you see him in the starting lineup? And everyone was saying, well, yeah. And I mean, it, this is probably going to be a really important preseason as well, isn't it, Al? We, we start next Thursday against the Patriots. I mean... Most times after the preseason games, we probably all of us zone out come the third quarter and it's kind of like, well, okay, we're just going through the motions. I'm probably going to be invested in all four quarters of these preseason games. You've got like Cosme, you've got um, Cornelius Lucas maybe coming in to try out for right tackle. You've got Taylor Heineke coming in to prove that, hey, look, I'm not here just to make up the numbers. How invested are you going to be in this preseason? And out of the players I've just thought there, who do you think is potentially going to really give Ron Rivera a headache come game one? Yeah, so it's going to be a unique preseason, right? Because there's only three games. So mm-hmm. the usual thing of the first game being, you know, just you see the starters for one series or so, and then that's it. You may not see that this year. We'll see how Ron ends up playing it. But, you know, you do have legitimate competitions on this team, which is good. I mean, it's a sign of depth. I mean, you have a very uh, fierce competition at safety. You have, I think, a really good competition at receiver. 
you know, when it comes to the starting right tackle spot, I think it's interesting. I think going into training camp, we would have said, all right, that is a competition, Cosme versus Lucas. But the way things look right now, I think that job is Cosme's. And mm-hmm. unless he just completely falls apart, uh, he will be the starting right tackle come week one. A, Lucas began camp on the COVID-19 list. He's now off that. But B, Ron Rivera, the previous two days, has really sung the praises of Cosme. Like, Ron is really talking him up. Like, he's doing a good job. He's coming along. Uh, Ron got asked point blank on Wednesday, can you see Cosme being a starter? He said, absolutely. So while Ron hasn't declared anything, you read between the lines and, you know, we're learning this now. It's year two of Ron. So we're learning how to speak Ronese. Uh, I think you can tell <laughs> that uh, that Cosme is going to be that guy. They want him to be that guy. They drafted him with the idea of him being that guy. You know, it's not coincidence. Five days after the rookie minicamp, they cut Morgan Moses. I think they saw mm-hmm. what they wanted to see from Cosme at that rookie minicamp in May and then release Morgan Moses a few days after that. So I think that competition is his, but I think it's going to be, to your point, an exciting and noteworthy preseason. Um, I think there are guys, you know, like a Taylor Heineke, you, you want to see what he looks like. You want to see, I, I think at this point, it doesn't sound like there's that much of a quarterback competition. And it felt like, okay, he was going to have to kill it in camp. I don't think that he's killing it in camp, but that doesn't mean that he can't firmly entrench himself as Washington's number two quarterback. So, you know, I think things like that are going to be intriguing to follow. Yeah, I mean, Maurice, what are you expecting come uh, the first preseason? We're a week away now. Uh, like I said, there's only three this year. We might see a few of the ones for a couple more couple more plays. But uh, like you say, we've got a Cornelius Lucas, a Davis, uh, a James uh, Smith-Williams or James Williams-Smith. I listened this morning now. I heard the little jokes. Um, <laughs> uh, Maurice, what are you thinking um, come week one? What are you looking for? for the, we're a week away now from Burson Washington football. Well, I want to see uh, which receiver is going to step up for the number two option opposite of Terry McLaurin. I mean, obviously, you know, Curtis Samuel, you know, is dealing with some injuries, which is going to slow his integration into the offense. But I'm really curious to see which receiver is going to step up. Looks like uh, Dayami Brown is playing very well um, in training camp so far. Uh, we've been hearing some good reports about Kelvin Harmon and what he's been doing. Um, again, uh, Adam Humphreys, I expect for him to be uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's security blanket. So that's the position group that I'm most locked in on. And then I also want to see what we're going to do uh, with as safety as well. So those are the mm. two things that I'm really focused on going into uh, the first preseason game. Yeah, Cameron Kell, free safety, can you know can play corner. I know there was a lot of talk about him uh, this morning. Uh, Shelley, one name that we mentioned many times last season when me and Maurice used to do our podcast was Stephen Sims. Don't get me started on Stephen Sims, but from right. what I'm hearing, Ron Rivera says, hey, look, everyone deserves a, another chance. Do you think from what you've seen, heard, we only see little bits of training camp. You know, it's, it's hard to see the little clips that you see online. But like Al says, we're hearing more and more from Ron now. And I listened to all the interviews uh, yesterday. Al played a few on his show this morning. Do you think Steve Sims has got a legitimate chance now of making his roster? I don't want him returning punt. I mean, I don't want him returning. Yeah, I don't know. I look, I think they get excited with it. He's got good speed. You know, he does. So is Usain Bolt, but he's not going to return punts to the Washington football team. Yeah, I don't, I don't want, I don't want him back there. I don't think any of us do. Um, I don't know who's going to get that job. I, I, I don't know who they want back there. I hope it's not him. I don't know. God, I don't want to know. I don't want him. The long and short they, of it is Shelly says no. Him, it, I will lose my shit if they put him back there. I will. 
I just assumed he would be cut. I think all of us did, but Ron's, I guess Ron's Ron... talking him up. I mean, Al, you played a few clips on your show this morning. Do you think Steve Sims, after everything from last season, I mean, everyone deserves a second chance. And hey, it might have been he needed a bit more time with Ron and the coaches, and they've now got him for a full preseason. There's no Zooms. There's no, you know, sitting behind a computer. (laughs) Yeah, but anybody can look good in camp. I I know. I know. But Al, what do you think? Do you think Steve's got a chance to to make the roster? Uh, I think it's a small chance. I think if guys get hurt, then mm-hmm. maybe I think what what Ron said on Wednesday was more like just encourage Steven Sims. I, I don't think that's really about him likely making the team. I mean, you, you look at receiver and you say, all right, maybe they don't keep the usual five. Maybe they keep six or seven, even if they keep eight, which is not something that happens often. Mike Shanahan did do it 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but let's say they keep eight. I don't think Steven Sims is still making it in that regard. Like there are eight other guys. I think they would keep over him. He was not good last season. And to the issue of who's going to return punts. I think that's going to be DeAndre Carter. I think that's why they signed DeAndre Carter. Uh, they've They've talked up DeAndre Carter in his career. He's done a good job on punt return. So I think Carter, I don't want to say he's a lock to make the team, but I think he's got a good chance to make the team. But like, if you just do the math, I mean, if everybody's healthy, it's McLaurin, it's Cam Sims, it's Curtis Samuel, it's Adam Humphreys, it's Antonio Gandy-Golden, it's Deami Brown. Like, right there, all those guys are making it. I haven't even mentioned Kelvin Harmon. I didn't even mention Dax Milne. Like, Would you have just, AGG over Kelvin Harmon, Al? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, because remember, Ron drafted AGG. Ron did not draft Kelvin Harmon. But mm-hmm. I think I – think, uh, I would like to see them keep Kelvin Harmon. Like, I think I'd like to see him keep both. I don't know how realistic that is. I just don't see Steven Sims being kept over those guys. When Washington signed Humphreys, I think that was basically it for Steven Sims. And he's going to need a lot of things to bounce his way. He's going to need guys to get hurt, guys to begin the season, you know, on IR or on some kind of COVID list uh, in order to make this season opening roster. And I just don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I mean, Al, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the COVID list. You mentioned it this morning, 85% now of Washington players seem to be vaccinated. I know you've already covered it today. How important is that? That it, You know, it, it, I hear so many arguments going, you've probably seen them all on Twitter. It's a personal choice. We can't force players. But when you've got a coach, you know, Ron Rivera, who's been through what he's been through, me personally, I'd be like, hey, look, yeah, it might go against my values and opinions, but I'm protecting a, a guy that's put his life on the line really for us. So, you know, why can't we do the same for him? Yeah, I mean, the number has shot up, the player vaccination rate. So I, I think the team deserves credit for that. It was at less than 50% or at 50% just a few weeks ago. And now that it's at 85% for an ESPN report on Wednesday night, I mean, that's a substantial increase. So, you know, my whole stance on this has been, look, I, I don't want to do the whole preachy thing of this is why you need to get vaccinated. But just from purely a football standpoint, just from purely a competitive advantage standpoint, if you don't have a higher a high player vaccination rate for this season, you're going to be worse off, again, from a football standpoint. Guys are going to miss time. There are strict protocols about this. You know, the NFL has decided not to mandate players get vaccinated, but the NFL very much is incentivizing players to get vaccinated. So, you know, if you're a player and you don't want to get vaccinated, okay, but then you better strictly adhere to the protocols. And, you know, Washington, to its credit, did have a number of guys who did do that last year, so it's not impossible. But you're better off, again, from a football standpoint, if just guys are getting vaccinated. And here's what's interesting, too. The league as a whole now has a vaccination rate of at least 90%. So 
it's not even a competitive advantage anymore to have a high player vaccination rate. It's only a disadvantage if you don't, because everyone seemingly does at this point. So Washington needed to get to this higher level that it has gotten to. So I think that's encouraging. And I have a suspicion now that this may actually end up working out just fine. Like it was a bumpy ride. Ron clearly got frustrated at times, but the fact that the percentage has shot up like it has, I think is indicative of, okay, guys are coming around on this. Now there's one thing and that is, so the vaccination rate is based on the 90 guys on the team. Now, when the team gets cut down to 53, we don't know if, you know, like maybe the bulk of the guys not making the team are vaccinated. And then those who are not vaccinated are primarily givens to make the roster. So the percentage in theory could come down come the start of the season. So we have to be mindful of that, but at least as things stand right now, I mean, it, it, it has trended very much upward in uh, you know, like just the last week. So I think that's encouraging if in fact you're in favor of these guys uh, getting the vaccines. Yeah. Uh, Maurice, sorry, Michael. Yeah. I think the other piece of it too, is that you don't want to be that player that contracts COVID-19 because you're unvaccinated and you cost the team wins because can you imagine like if we're in the playoff chase and, you know, there's like a small COVID outbreak amongst unvaccinated players mm. and, and we have to forfeit a game because of that. I mean, you know, this media market is going to savage that player. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the fan base is going to revolt, especially if we're in the middle of a playoff hunt. So, you know, better to get your stuff together now on the vaccination side and prevent that from happening later on down the road. Cause you don't want to be that guy that is that responsible team. for forfeiting a game. You yeah. just don't. How do you think we'll see that anywhere across the league? Obviously, they put in this mandate now of, hey, look, you might forfeit games. Do you think as we're, you know, three or four weeks away from the start of the season, do you see any scenario with any team, not just talking Washington, where that announcement from the NFL alone has maybe give them the, the kick up the arse that they need to say, hey, look, we can't be forfeiting games now? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it scared people or not. I, I do think it's a threat that will not have to be delivered upon. I mean, I just look at it like this. Last season, when we didn't have vaccines, the NFL still didn't cancel any games. So now mm -hmm. that we do have vaccines, the NFL is really going to cancel games. Like, I just have a hard time seeing that. So, you know, I think that was something that the NFL put out there to try to scare guys. I don't know if it worked or not. Uh, but the NFL, to me, is not canceling any games. Uh, if you got through last season without having to shut down any games, I think you'll get through this season all right. But, you know, you could have uh, some outbreaks. It's possible. You could have some games have to be postponed, shifted around. I mean, you know, we're dealing with this Delta variant. We're not sure how that's going to play out. We do know that you can get vaccinated and still get COVID-19. So, like, just because a bunch of guys are vaccinated doesn't mean you won't have guys get the virus. So, you know, we just have to see how it goes. But I think the NFL overall did a great job with the virus last year. I think we're going to see something similar this year. And, um, you know, I think it's it becomes contentious because this whole thing has been contentious for a variety of reasons. But at the end of the day, that the NFL has a 90 percent player vaccination rate. I mean, that blows away. I know in my country, the United States, by far the vaccination rate for adults, the back the back rate for adults in the U.S. as of Monday was 70 percent. That the NFL is at 90%. I mean, that wow. says a lot. I, think, I never I think knew the that. NFL is to, to be commended for that. No wonder I can't get in, Al. No wonder I can't fly. There's only 70% <laughs> of you that had the uh, the vaccine. Um, Al, before we let you get out of here, my friend, obviously, we've asked a few people that have come on. Now, on paper, the Washington football team have probably had the potentially the best roster that we've had in years. What do we need to do to transition from paper 
to on the field because we've sat here and talked and talked for a few months now. We're, you know, we're not that far away from football. In your opinion, what do we need to see from this franchise, from this organisation that it's got a transition onto the field? What do we need to see come week one and moving forward? Well, I think aside from health, which is an obvious thing, the biggest mm-hmm. thing for this coming season is the quarterback play has got to be better. Uh, Washington last season had a very good defense. Washington last season actually had a sneaky, efficient running game. But Washington's passing game last season quantifiably was the worst in the NFL. And so what you need this season is a better, more effective passing game. And that starts with the quarterback play. So what you hope for this year is that a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has had, I think, the three best seasons of his career over his last three seasons, is still playing at that level or close enough to that level. He's not an elite quarterback, but he's played at a pretty high level over these last few years. And so my thing with him is, all right, if he can just be, let's say, a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, like if you're ranking the 32 starters, if he can be like the 15th best starter in the NFL, that's an appreciable upgrade from last year. And just that, I think, is going to boost this offense. Now, if he can be better than that, and I think he could be, that's even better. But I don't think he has to be that. If they can just get like league average quarterback play, that's a that's a big time boost to what this team was. Because, again, I think the defense is going to be good and I think the running game is going to be good. So, you know, Fitzpatrick was so encouraging about him. Right. He plays the position in a matter in which so few uh, Washington quarterbacks have in recent years in terms of throwing the ball downfield. He is a high variance guy. So like his bad is bad, but his good is quite good. So if you could just get more of the good than the bad. I think there's no reason why Washington can't repeat as NFC East champions. This division to me is still there for the taking. This is still not a great division. I don't think you have to be great to do great. And if the quarterback play is better, there's no reason why Washington can't go say, you know, nine and eight, 10 and seven and win this division for a second straight year. Yeah. Al, you mentioned the division there. What the hell is going on over at the New York Giants? Uh, I mean, what on earth have I been seeing on social media the last few days? You know, there's, Players, don't get me wrong, it all kicks off at training camp. I know there's there's fights and it happens, but coaches are doing laps of the field. Players are doing 10 to 20 laps fully padded up. I mean, what is going on in New York, Al? Yeah, Joe Judge is trying to be Belichick and, you know, we'll see if it works. I mean, I think the reviews on Judge are mixed. There have been things that people like, but inevitably, when people try to be Belichick, they end up not being Belichick. Uh, see Matt Patricia with the Detroit Lions. So we'll see on that. I mean, the, the, the thing for the Giants, obviously, is Daniel Jones. And, and I think in a lot of ways, this is a put up or shut up year for Jones. It's time for him to take that next step. He's going to be the Giants franchise quarterback. He's got to have a big season. New York has now surrounded him with, like, with, with I think, ample weaponry. You know, when you think about Kenny Galladay and the tight end, and you know, if Saquon Barkley is healthy. So Jones has got to have a big season. And if he doesn't, then I think this will be yet another double-digit loss season for the Giants. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Al, it's going to be an interesting season. Yeah, go on. Sorry, Maurice. Go on, my friend. uh, Al, before you go, like, um, we all all, um, locked in against the uh, the Chargers on week one. But really, the big test is week week two against the Giants. How important is it for Washington to beat the Giants in week two? Yeah, I think it's a big deal. And, you know, we talked about the COVID stuff. That's another thing. If a guy is out week one due to COVID-19 protocols, that week two game is just a few days later on a Thursday mm-hmm. night. So there's a decent chance if you're out week one, you're going to be out week two. I mean, the schedule is so odd, right? Because almost all of the division games are stacked at the end of the season with the exception of that initial Giants game. So, you know, I look at the division, I'm like, all right, 
once again, if you can just do well in your division games, you're positioning yourself well to repeat. So, yeah, I think that is a big game. You know, it's one of these primetime games. You know, Washington's recent history in primetime isn't stellar, uh, although that's more of a Monday night thing than it is anything else. So uh, I feel a little more comfortable <clears throat> on a Thursday night. But uh, no doubt, yeah. I mean, the week one game against the Chargers won't be easy. So the last thing you want is an 0-2 start. Mm-hmm. And conversely, if you can somehow do the thing of win week one, week two, five days into the season, you're 2-0. That's a pretty cool thing. You know, that, that like that early in the season, you've already got yourself a couple of victories like that. And then you get that mini bye week going in a week three. So uh, that would be lovely to see Washington pull that off. You know, you're starting uh, at home this season. So I think that's good. So Washington, I think the schedule's not easy for sure, but there is an opportunity to get off to a good start. And boy, we have seen so few truly good starts for this franchise in recent seasons. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Shelly, anything for Al before we let him go? Yeah, I was just wondering, uh, does the O-line concern you at all? Does our O-line concern you at all? Um, Well, to an extent, I think the depth does. I am curious about something like releasing Morgan Moses. Not that he was great, but he was durable. So, you know, if Cosby gets hurt, then what? I guess you go to Lucas. Okay. What if Leno gets hurt? Then what? Like, I think they had this great depth at the offensive tackle spot that they didn't have to lessen, but they uh, chose to lessen when they cut not only Moses, but also Jaron Christian. So I wonder about Mm -hmm. something like that, you know, along the interior. I mean, I think you have to always worry about Brandon Sheriff's health because the guy misses time almost every year. He's missed the equivalent of a full season over the last three seasons. So, you know, that's a concern. But I I think if everyone stays healthy, I think it is a good line. It ended up being a pretty good line last season. So it's like a lot of things with this team. If guys are healthy, they're positioned well. Offensive line fits that description. I think running back fits that description. I think tight end fits that description. The problem is if one or more starters on the O-line goes down, then I think you may have an issue here. So you just got to hope that you enjoy good offensive line health like you did for the most part last season. And if you do, uh, I think Washington's O-line will be just fine this year. Okay. Al, Al, do you think Brandon Sheriff's head's going to be fully in the game? A lot of people have said now, you know, playing on the tag. Is he in Washington still? Is he playing for a move? Do you, do you finally, do you think his head's fully going to be with Washington? Well, I mean, I think he'll, he'll, he's committed to this season, but I think he's gone after this season. Uh, I, I don't like the way Washington has handled that situation. Mm. I thought the second Agreed. consecutive franchise tag was a mistake. But, you know, Brandon's a hard worker and he's a good player. Uh, the, the question with him, like I said, is just health. I mean, he misses time every year. He's good for, you know, at least three to four missed games each year. So that's that's the principal concern with him. But he'll be he'll be all in on the season. I, I don't really worry about that. I just think that this is going to be his last season. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is this is going to be a Kirk Cousins deal all over again. He gets tagged back to back years. He gets priced out of uh, Washington resigning him. He'll hit the open market. And inevitably, when a guy hits the open market, he goes to a new team. Yeah, but. Al, I can't thank you enough for coming back on the DC Teaching Podcast. One thing, Al, do not get rid of that intro music on your podcast, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> do, do not get back. Al, thanks so much. And myself, Maurice and Shelley, thanks so much. Uh, tell our listeners very quickly where they can ta- catch the Al Gordy podcast. Yeah, it's available wherever you get podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. I uh, put out a new episode each weekday, Monday through Friday. And uh, the new episodes are out each weekday by 5 a.m. Eastern in the United States. So bright and early, at least in the States. And, uh, you know, if you're a big Washington football team fan, I talk a ton about the Washington football team on every show. 
Yeah, no problem. I urge everyone to go and listen to it. I listen in every day. So, Al, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you again during the season. It was good to talk to you guys, and I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Anytime, Al. Thanks so much, my friend. Thanks so much. Uh, Maurice Shelley, always a pleasure to chat to what I call the voice of Washington, Mr. Al Gordy. Uh, Maurice Shelley, we are one week away now from our first preseason game. How excited are you guys to finally, the talking can stop, but next week we can sit down and analyse a game. Shelley, Maurice, how excited are you to watch some Washington football? Maurice, you're going to go over. No, please no, don't all like don't all bloody answer yeah, once. Yeah. I wasn't gonna. Hello, Maurice. I wasn't just gonna automatically go first. I was gonna defer to Shelly. Uh, Maurice, let's see oh, what you okay. done. Ever the gentleman. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. I can't believe football's right around the corner. Um. I'm. I, yeah. I'm in shock. It, it feels like forever, mm. and I can't believe it's right around the corner. But I can't wait to see how Heineke looks, how some of our receivers look. Oh, God, can you imagine if he plays really well the first preseason? Oh, I know. Can you imagine what Washington Twitter is going to be like? Can you guys imagine Friday morning? Heineke's got to start. He's got to play week one. Oh, I know. Twitter's already been crazy with that. But obviously the quarterback position's locked. I mean, it's it's Fitzpatrick's uh, job to lose in the regular season, in the Mm -hmm. regular season. You know, yeah. that's my opinion. And that that's up to Coach Ron yeah. to um, pull him, you know, if he, and he would have to be really stinking up the joint. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm anxious to see what Heineke looks like as our QB2. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. And uh, I want to see some receivers. I want to see what they're doing with um, our safety Mm-hmm. Our safeties, um, because I really don't know what they're going to be doing with uh, Collins and Curl, like how they're going to be playing them. I think Ron said this morning. I listened to the press call. I only heard it this morning. It's probably last night for you guys, but um, he said he's quite keen for Cameron Cole to play a free safety. But then he again he mentioned about that. You know that what we've chatted about earlier on in the season about different players fitting into different positions. Like you know, he says. Cameron Cole can play corner he can play free safety he can play man he can play zone if he said in his interview yesterday he's up against a a big wide receiver he he fancies his chances whether he's going up against the tight end so I'm with you there Shelley I think it'll be real I think that's why I'm interested in don't get me wrong I always watch preseason, but I'm actually interested to see Pacific players and I'll be watching that you know we'll all be watching the game but when our safeties are on the field, I'll be watching to see if they're doing, you know, if they're if they're doing man, if they're doing zone. I mean, Maurice, how what are you thinking about these little pieces that we're going to try and fit in? It's a short. We've got three games. We might see more of the ones coming into the start of the games. I mean, what are you going to be looking out for uh, starting next Thursday with the Patriots of FedEx? Well, I think what you want to look at is how well the offense moves with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. Like, mm. you know. Are we moving the ball down the field? Are we uh, converting um, third downs into first downs? You know, are we uh, catching the balls? You know, you know, are we getting some um, good runs? You know, from the initial point of attack. I mean, those are the things you, you want to look at um, and see if we're stretching the field. I mean, you know, the first preseason game offensively is going to be quite vanilla. They're not going to really show too many uh, wrinkles of the offense, but you still want to see how well. Uh, Fitzpatrick manages the game. I, one thing I think we should pay attention to, I think people should be prepared for Heineke and Allen to look better in the preseason games 
than Fitzpatrick because of their familiarity with the offense. Well, so, Allen won't playing. He's hurt. Allen's not training right now, is he? Or did he come mm-hmm. back yesterday? Did he come back? I'm, I'm not, not sure. I think I, I heard a Ron Rivera. I think you might be right, actually, Shelley. I'm not sure if he's back yet. I think at the minute we've only got two legitimate healthy yeah, football. I think Allen's still hurt. <laughs> Mm. But well, you, have, you, got, you got Montez too. So, I mean, you know, he's still on the Do roster. Too. He's still on the roster? Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's QB3. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's QB3. But I think well, he, like QB3.5. I mean, it all depends <laughs> on. With, uh, he might get scared with, uh, again when he has to come on the field. But uh, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I think it's going to be yeah. interesting. I mean, for me, it's like if, you know, if Kyle Allen's struggling, you know, I would not be surprised to see Coach Rivera Park Company with him. Uh, going into the regular season. I don't think they're going to carry four, four quarterbacks. It's going to be three quarterbacks. And, you know, I think if, if Allen is not on – is can't play, he's not going to be on the team. Uh, so that's something to, to pay attention to. Yeah, most definitely. Well, uh, we have football this evening. We are sitting here recording. This on the, I think the, the Cowboys are playing the, uh, the Steelers tonight. Are you guys going to be watching that? Any excuse to watch any kind of football, I suppose? Yeah, I'm going yeah, to definitely watch it and go Steelers. You know, yeah. um, you Steelers. know I, I root for two teams, uh, Washington and who are playing Everyone's Dallas. playing the Cowboys. Yes, Maurice. Yeah, so I, I, am you know, I, hope that this, I hope the Steelers beat them badly. And I know it's a preseason game, but I don't care. Like, I... I just I my hatred for the Dallas Cowboys is just legendary. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I really want to have some NFC East hate podcast where we talk about why we hate these teams so much, because I hate all of them. Um, with you know, some more than others, but I won't I won't release my powder right now about oh, wow, that. okay. Yeah, Maurice is holding holding something, but we can do that as the season starts. I hate uh, all of them too. I hate the Giants. Uh, more Eagles. so than anybody right right now, but yeah, the Giants are like up there for me. Yeah, the I Eagles for I, me. The Eagles for me. Maurice knows why I, I hate the Eagles. Yeah, I here's the thing. I hate the Dallas. I here's the thing about it. Like, I hate the Dallas Cowboys within the context of a traditional rivalry. You know, within those rules and everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I I uh, I probably hate the Giants the least. Um, I think I actually hate the Eagles the most, and I hate their fans even more. Um, I agree with all of that. The only reason why I hate the Giants more so now is because they beat us. Right, right, right. And, and, and we are not on, losing. We're on my we radar are, to get them. What, from what the I've Giants, seen from the Giants, guys, we are not losing to that shit show. This out year. of the three, out of the three NFC East teams, the Giants have the most normal human acting. The NFL fans, the Cowboys fans, are the least intelligent. They're just delusional. And, and um, the Eagles fans are from hell. So that's pretty much uh, my yeah. analysis of the yeah. NFC East. Well, I have campaign. friends that are like fans of all of them, and I can't say that about them. So, yeah. but in well, general, except, well, in except, general, I guess what you're saying. Your, um, except your friends, Jelly Eagles fans are from hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apart Hashtag from Eagles of fans Shelley's are from hell. Friends. But uh, guys, uh, a good way to finish the podcast. Let's just say how shit the Eagles are and how much we hate them. Uh, uh, Maurice, oh, Shelley. No, I hate the Eagles. I hate the Eagles and I hate I, I hate all of them. I fucking hate them all. I hope we demolish the NFC East. I hope we trounce yeah, I really hate the Eagles fans. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. But uh, Shelley, Maurice, a, a pleasure as always sitting down to talk some uh, Washington football with you. Uh, we will be back next week. We will do this all again. We can talk about how bad the Cowboys got pummeled in preseason and we can look, we will have a preview of our first preseason game. We play next Thursday, guys, at FedEx Field at 8 
uh, p.m. slash 1 a.m. whatever wherever you're watching. Hey, so um, I, well, sorry to interrupt, but I assume Dak's not playing tonight, right? He's hurt. No, he's hurt. He's not playing. He's already yeah, said yeah. he's, okay, he's, yeah, no, he's got. A, I think NFL yeah. Network said he's got. A we should see some. If we need an incentive to watch, we get to see uh, Dwayne Haskins operate that steel offense tonight, right? Yeah. yeah. No, very true. Very true. But yeah, yeah let's see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk some Washington football with you guys and girls again. We will be back next week. We will do it all again. And we are one week away from watching our mighty Washington football team take to the field of FedEx. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have been your host, Andy Burrows, with Maurice Hawkins and the ever lovable Shelley Jordan. Till next time, everybody, stay safe.